Hello and welcome to Red Carpet Rookies. My name is Mike Battle, a film production junior working for studios in London. Each episode, I bring you advice and stories from film, TV and content professionals to help demystify and democratise the industries for juniors and fans alike. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. This week's guest is Hollywood production designer Sonia Klaus. Sonia is a leading film and television designer based in London, first beginning as a set decorator with credits including Oscar-winning epic Gladiator, Prometheus, Tomb Raider, Kingdom of Heaven and X-Men First Class. She's now a production designer and Sonia has helmed projects such as Ridley Scott's A Good Year, Tom Hardy and Stephen Knight's Taboo and Tim Miller's Terminator Dark Fate. Sonia is currently designing new television series The Power, directed by Reed Morano of Handmaid's Tale fame, as well as residing as president of the British Film Designers Guild. Welcome, Sonia. How are we? Hello. How are you? Did you like your little bio there? It's very good. You obviously went on IMDb and had a good old look. I did. Not that you didn't know. Not that you didn't know most of it before having worked from me. Yes, of course. Well, so for anybody listening, I think I should probably point out that I did work for Sonia for two years. Hence, some of our similar credits and things. So I do know her very well. So it's going to be interesting to see what it's like interviewing her because we haven't had some of these conversations before. So I thought, first of all, we'd start off with something that people often ask, I think you, in that wondering how you got into the film industry, because sometimes people wonder where your accent's from. And obviously, you're an LA girl. So how did an LA girl end up working in England rather than an English girl going to Hollywood, which you'd think is more traditional? Well... Uh, the accent obviously is endless topics of discussion for various people because they like to think they can work out. Mostly English people like to try and work out where I come from. And so I get every place on this planet apart from usually the place where I actually come from. And partly the accent is to do with due to the fact that my mother wanted my sister and I not to call her mommy but to call her mummy. And so my mother went to a very posh school and we left the States when I was 11 and she decided that she wanted to create these English ladies. And I had endless elocution lessons and I got ended up with this accent. And I do get asked quite often if I'm Lloyd Grossman's sister or one of his children. Um, but I do like to point out that he is actually Canadian and I'm I not see. Canadian. Uh, I... Um, when I started, I didn't really know much about the film industry. When I started, I did theatre design at Wimbledon School of Art. And I was going to have a, a carve a life out for myself at Wimbledon. Um, it was actually my father, uh, who is no longer here, but it was actually my father. He watched, saw my uh, degree show and he used to keep quite uh, close tabs on what I was up to because he was paying for it. So he used to write to me quite a lot from the States. And um, I wrote my thesis on Walt Disney and it was called The Man Behind the Mouse, Dirt, Death and Evil. Because um, a lot of his films that he did portrayed, they, they're very, he was very interested in the Grimm's fairy tales. And he loved the sort of going up and the going down of the emotions of people. And so I, uh, I don't know, I quite enjoyed that. And so I wrote this, thesis about him and my father uh, read my thesis because I'd worked on it before and then he gave me this book and it was um it's a book that he gave me and it's called uh, the magic of hollywood mm -hmm. and inside it my father wrote 
to dearest Sonia and may, may she too become one of the greats that has made Hollywood what it is. Wow. And he wrote that in a book when I was at college and I had no idea about the film industry and I had no idea that my father, because he was very clever at that kind of thing, working out kind of what people's strengths were. That was his business. And he obviously worked out what mine was. And I, I never saw myself where I am. I, I didn't. I really mm. didn't. So you went to Wimbledon School of Art and as you've told me, you went to study theatre design and it seems that quite a few people who are now successful in the industry studied theatre design there. So obviously this podcast is aimed at a lot of new people in the industry. And so for people maybe wanting to move into the art department, what is it do you think about that course that's so successful for people? Because I know your husband, obviously, he didn't, he studied it as well, right? And Mike Britton, set decorator. He did, yeah. And Mark Tilsley, who's a production designer, and Karen Wakefield, who's a mm. supervising art director. And Lucienne Seren, who is uh, who was my supervising art director, and she's now designing. And uh, quite a few people that I meet have been to Wimbledon. I think Wimbledon, you know, it's a very it's been there for quite a long time. I actually discovered yesterday that a friend of mine's father actually went to Wimbledon School of Art. Mm, no way. And he did. Uh, he actually did fine art there. Um, they didn't have theatre then, but then they built the theatre sort of when he left. Um, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, I didn't know. And he's really, and then he went to the Slade. And he's an amazing artist. And he then ran, he was became head of Cheltenham Art College. So it obviously has a history of art. That's kind of what it has. And I think they still try to adhere to that. I did... Um, I do keep tabs being now that I'm the um, chair person, president of the guild of the British Film Designers Guild. I like to keep tabs on what's going on in the universities. And and we do get quite a lot of people who come to see us with their portfolios who have actually been with me to Wimbledon or to mm. Beaconsfield. And quite a lot of them have done courses. I think it's very important if you are not really sure what you want to do when you leave university, or if you think you might want to go into the art department on film, I do think it's a ter- it's quite important to do a course before you come because it sort of kickstarts you into, launches you quicker, I think, into what you want to be. And also it gets you drawing and understanding three-dimensional things and technically you start to learn things. And I do think that's really important. I see a little bit of a basis. In my research, I noticed that you studied your course and then you began getting a few credits on the board, not quite the big Ridley Scott films yet, but I noticed quite an interesting circular thing in that according to your IMDb, the first, one of the first things you did is a little TV show called Streetwise and that starred a very young Andy Serkis. It did, And and obviously in your most recent credit that's actually come out is the FX and BBC show A Christmas Carol, which also starred Andy Serkis. It did. So what's it like when you see him now in that circularity of your careers where you both go, oh my God, you were there all those years ago. What's it like? Well, we were both really young uh, and he was beginning and I was like, you know, beginning. I was an art director on that series and we all hung out near Old Street in London and we had a product placement with a company called Muddy Fox who did all these bikes and we all used to go around on these bikes and it was during when the, the um, I think it was a tube bike, I can't really remember. And we all had to take bikes. So we all used to cycle. I used to cycle back to Battersea and he used to take bike and cycle off, you know, and um, 
and and we I don't know it, it's weird seeing him because you know like when we see each other it is like big hugs and darling and you know oh my god how are you and you know and I absolutely love that that I've known this man since before he got married had kids before he did Gollum you know all those things and I've watched him and I've been it's been for me to see someone like that to go from literally being in a children's TV show to suddenly being Andy Serkis directing movies and all the amazing things that he does and how he is and his voice. And, but he's still the same person to me. I see him and I don't look at him like he's this big, I I just don't see him like that. I just see him. He's like Andy that I used to share a bike with. In terms of the difference, obviously you two have come such a long way from those days maybe in attitudes or I guess obviously in size, is there a thing that really makes you think there's a big difference between the large scale stuff that you both do now and back when you didn't really know what you're doing and you're on these small shows? I think that we've evolved a little bit since, you know, when, when I was doing TV, like when I did Streetwise, um, you know, I often would sleep on a mattress on the floor, on the set in this warehouse and I used to wash myself in the morning on a tap that was outside with this freezing cold water and I'd like throw it all over myself um, because there was no bathroom really Um, and you know that was kind of what it was like you know and there were a lot less people you know because there was weirdly less money Um, and now because of health and safety and all of those things all, all that has changed and I in a way I'm sort of slightly I don't know I I actually liked that part of it because it was just so, it was so mad and it was so, um, I don't know, but everybody pitched in, you know, it didn't really, it didn't really, you know, like Sparks would help you unload a truck or they'd come and help you. Like if you need to dress a set, they come and help you move a piece of furniture, you know, but now there just seems to be so many people. And, and I, I worry a little bit that the dilution of these you know, having to be able to turn your hand at a lot of things and be practical and do it at speed. You know, I, I worry that that gets lost a little bit in translation of how it is now. I guess what you're saying is that now it's becoming a more specialized industry, perhaps in, in ways, whereas back then it was a bit more everyone jumping in. Yeah, I think it is. And I, I think it is. And I, I think, um, you know, people have got more parameters now. I think that's just how it is. And shows are bigger now, you know, they take longer to film, you know, films take longer to film. Um, It's all quite different. And also remember, we have so much more content now, you know, so many more things get made. So there is a danger that people get pushed up from being a, you know, an assistant and suddenly you find their producer on a Monday, you know, and you're like, I, I remember when you were doing bins. So uh, one question talking about uh, you back then, and obviously people who have met you, you come across as a very confident person, and I'm sure you'd say you're a very confident person. I'd like to know when you were doing those small shows back in the day, were you very different? And were you, you know, nervous as a junior? Do you think the industry's changed you, I guess? I think I had to learn my confidence. I mean, yes, I did have times where I had pretty you know, being told off by a director in front of 250 people on set and screamed at a foot away from your face 
because you happen to be the stand, I, I did some standby and you happen to be the standby art director, but someone else in the department has made a mistake, but you're standing there, you have to take it. You know, you do have to take it. And it happened a few times and I would take it. Obviously, I would then turn around, leave the set, go into the lavatories and have a good old cry because I found it so shocking. And mm. I did that, you know, I did, I had to do that. And I got told once by an art director, he said, if it's bad and you feel like you wanted to cry because you can't cope with it or whatever reason, never do that in front of them. Don't show that weakness, especially being a female. Do not show that weakness. Go away, go around the corner, go into a telephone box, go wherever, sit in your car and do it there. Don't do it. Don't give them the satisfaction. Don't give them the satisfaction. And you know, I learned that and, and, you know, I, I have to be firm with people. Um, but you learn from that. That's actually a really good learning skill because you learn from that. You can tell, you have to learn to read people's faces. And so part of the confidence building that I had was learning to read people's faces. And I think that's a really important thing to have as a trait in any business when you're dealing with others. It is something I've learned. And, and I believe, and I've made a comment about this to the British Film Designers Guild, I feel that confidence, especially in the art department, is something that is seriously lacking. And so I've mentioned about, you know, that I felt it was quite important that maybe we did some courses or something um, so people could learn how to be confident because it does help you. Definitely. So going on from what you were saying about being confident in the industry and young people coming in, do you think that it's changed largely? You touched on it a little bit with, I know how passionate you are about drawing by hand and things. Do you think it's changed a lot to be a young person coming into the industry now? And particularly as a woman, because I know from anecdotal evidence that you had some horror stories. Do you think that it's a vastly different landscape now? Yeah, I don't. I, don't. I think it's much easier now. I think because of women like me and other women of my age and ones younger than me, I think we have paved the way for it to be easier for women to come into the art department in particular. Um, I think it's got better. I think with all the conversations that get had about that, you know, which are very on point at the moment, I think that's helped a lot. I think you see it across the board, women directors, women producers, you'll see women cinematographers. It, it wasn't like that when I was younger. It was like, mm. you know, there was a lot of, um, uh, there was quite a lot of the old school, why don't you go home and feed your kids sort oh, of God. aspect. You know, there was a lot of that that went on and it got quite aggressive sometimes. And, um, you know, we had to battle through it. And I, uh, Karen Wakefield and I, she's not a supervising art director. And we kind of, you know, we did a few shows together. And back in the day we were, you know, like she was on Streetwise with me. But it was strange then because on Streetwise, it wasn't like that at all. It was television and you seem to get it less in television. It was when I went into bigger films that I seemed to come across it more. Um, you know, you were sort of like this really tiny little person in this massive thing. And uh, you didn't feel protected. I think that's what it was. And I feel that now you are more protected. Which is totally fantastic. Yes. If you were going to say something to your younger self now, knowing all the stuff you would go through and where you'd end up, what do you think you would say? I think, I think, um, you know, with, when, when you get asked, what would you tell your younger self? 
I think if I was doing it now, if it was if there was me and it was now, and I was telling my younger self now, I'd say probably uh, listen. It's very important to listen, and it's very it is very important to learn. And it's very important to ask questions. You need to ask the right questions and you need to, you kind of need to, you know, if you get an answer and you don't necessarily like that answer, it's all right, but you can analyze it more now. I think, I think then you could, what there wasn't that chance. I think now you get given more of a chance to analyze what's happening. And I think you get given more of a chance to approach someone and talk to someone to help you. And so I would say to my younger self, don't worry, there is help. You can get help. How important would you say for people at any age, but particularly younger people, and you know that I'm very keen on this sort of thing, of cultivating mentors? Do you think this is an important thing to do in the industry? There are very few people who I consider in, that I've met in my life that are special and amazing Roger Hall was one of those. And John King, who still works, is so amazing. But I suppose John, for me, is very special because of what he did for me. My first job that I ever did was on a show called All Change. My first paid job, it was on television. I went in straight in as an art director. I didn't have to go in as a junior because I'd already been, I did a lot of drawing um, and I'd been drawing in the in the film, in the theater world, you know, as an assistant, you have to do all the technical drawings. So I'd already been doing a lot of that. So I went as an art director and I carried on art directing for quite a while. And um, I got a break designing. Um, I wanted to be a designer. I knew I wanted to be a designer because I wanted to be a theater designer and I already had designed in the theater. So I knew I wanted to do that. And so I did. And I started, I did a couple of movies. Um, I did one in Hong Kong and I did one here um, with um, some quite good actors in. And I was on my way to being a production designer. And I was working very closely with, um, I had a construction manager called Hamish Darlington. And I absolutely loved Hamish. And he was my mate. And I met him, I met him up at the Edinburgh Festival because that's where I, when I left college, I went up there to go and do some stuff, you know, just to get a summer job. And he got a virus that attacked his heart. And oh he died God. five weeks oh, later. Jesus. And I found it uh, quite horrific. I think about him all the time. I, I, I kept seeing him a lot for years. I thought I saw him in Oxford Street or, you know, I kept seeing him. I kept running because wow. I couldn't believe, it. you know, he'd gone. And it was, it was so shocking for me. And I, I, it really affected me, affected my confidence, affected my career. It, I just fell apart, really, for quite a long time, for, mm. for a few years. And it was John King, actually. He oh, um, John. Director that I had met, lovely John King. And he called me up and he said, what are you up to, kiddo? And I said, well, I've been doing this and that. And he was like, why don't you come in and um, we're doing this show. And why don't you come in? It's, you know, and, 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 you know, they're looking for an assistant set decorator. I was like, oh, hell is that? I don't know what that. I know what a set decorator does. Yeah, because I, you know, in television, you dress sets and do all that stuff. And anyway, I went in and I met the set decorator, Karen Brooks. She sadly passed away. But uh, And Roger Hall was the designer. And he's affectionately known as Dad. And there was this man that looked like Brian Ferry. And he was so beautifully spoken and he was gorgeous. And he was wearing all these lovely clothes. And he said, hello, darling, I'm Roger Hall. <laughs> would you like a cup of tea and a Kit Kat? And I was like, 
anyway, so uh, that was it really. And I went on as an assistant set decorator. And the next thing I know is I'm walking on a set and um, I'm set decorating on Gladiator with Ridley Scott. I hope you're enjoying Red Carpet Rookies. If you'd like to support the show, you can get a two-month free trial of Skillshare, the Netflix of online courses, with a link in the podcast show notes. You can learn from topics including filmmaking, Photoshop, music production, and hundreds more. If you fancy yourself as a scriptwriter, you could even check out my beginner's course for professional screenwriting software, Final Draft. Your career was changed drastically when you got an invitation to work on Gladiator with Ridley Scott, of course. And I wanted to ask, how did that come about? And how does that even happen back in 99, was it? Did you get a bit of Ridley parchment through the post or something? <laughs> I was in a pub in, uh, up in Notting Hill with my mate Lawrence. And we're in there and my phone goes. And... Um, so I got this voice and it was, uh, um, it was this, the, one of the, the set decorator who'd been um, asked to do some of it and, you know, to work on it, to do it, pull it up, pull it off. Um, Cause they'd sadly had, um, you know, that position had been, was with someone else, but it hadn't worked out. And so they were looking to replace that department. And I got this call and it was Crispy and Salas and he went, hello, um, Malta or England? Like that. And I went, what, what? Do you want to go to Malta or England? And I just went, um, well, uh, Malta. <laughs> I didn't know what he was talking about. He went, right, right, fine, fine. Someone will call you. And that was it, hung up. And I walked back in and Lawrence was like, what was that? And I went, I don't know, that was totally weird. I think I'm going to Malta. And he went, oh, well, when are you going? And I went, I don't know. Apparently someone's going to ring me. And then like 10 minutes later, the production manager calls me. Oh, hi, Sonia, I'm just booking you a ticket. Can you pack your bags and get on a flight on Saturday, on Sunday to go to Malta? And I went, I'm sorry, can I just ask you, I, what, for, what is it like that? And he went, oh, sorry, didn't you know? Yeah, it's Gladiator. And it's, uh, it's a film that Ridley Scott's directing. And I literally was like, I, I mean, I had my mouth open and, and I just, and I went, uh, and the thing is, I knew he was obviously, you know, Blade Runner and all that. But it was like it wasn't real. It was like it was not real. And then I get to, I get fly out, literally, I fly out, pack my bag, and I get taken on this building site that was the Colosseum and the palace was being, you know, they were putting up scaffolding. And we're standing there, all these diggers going around, there's dirt everywhere. And they go, yeah, so um, we're going to be here in uh, about six weeks. And I'm looking around going, oh, six weeks. And, uh, Crispian turned to me and said, you're allowed to be a little frightened like that because it was football pitches is all I can say. It was, it was just football pitch after football pitch after foot. I mean, it was so big that they used to joke that you could see it from this. You could see it from space. This is the, col that, the Coliseum you're talking one. about. The Coliseum yeah, set. the Coliseum and the palace and all the other stuff, you know, we built, there was quite a lot of building and, and there were already existing wall, you know, some, huge walls built up by Napoleon and there were these big places. I mean, it was a fort, but we were building inside this massive place. And I just remember, and then Ridley turned up and said, hello, I'm, I'm Ridley. And I went, hi, I'm Sonia. And uh, couldn't remember my name for ages. So he called me County because I reminded him of those girls that you see in the Country Life magazine. So he used to call me County. Home counties. 
I like that. It's actually good to hear that you had trepidation, I guess, going onto those sets, because I think sometimes, particularly in the film industry on the high level where there's, you know, big names around and it's a lot of money, sometimes people who are younger can look at the older ones and think, you know, they're these infallible, you know, people commanding multi-million budgets. But it's good to hear that you're still going, Jesus Christ, this is as big as a football pitch and what on earth am I going to do? Yeah, there was a fair amount of that. I think that the uh, it really sunk in when I got told you got six weeks. Mm. And I think it really sunk in when I went in the prop room and there wasn't a lot in there. That sunk in and it all sunk in really. And that was kind of for me, you know, because that was the first, that was the, uh, you know, the first really big film, I could say, probably that I worked on. Um, and it was a big film. And I don't think at the time, you know, you're so busy, you know, uh, you know, you're really busy. And you don't think when you're doing something that it's going to be the success that it is because you just kind of almost you're so wrapped up in what you're trying to get through your day and the next day and the next day. You know, and then when it came out and, you know, you you see it with all the music and, you know, and knowing Ridley, you know, because he'd had Alien and Blade Runner were so amazing. Of course, you're like, it's going to be amazing. But you kind of don't think it's going to be, you know, you don't realize. And and to this day, I would have to say, I, I think I said once to my husband, I said, if I never do another film again, I really don't care because I did Gladiator. That's absolutely fair enough. I mean... Who wouldn't want to be on that? It's unbelievable. Obviously, that led on to your very large scale career, first in set decoration and then ultimately on big movies and smaller things as well as designer. When you're flitting between things like Prometheus and then, you know, obviously Gladiator or Christmas Carol, which is in a different period and all this kind of thing. Have you developed somewhat of a philosophy on set design and set decoration that carries through all of those? Or do you have to adapt it to every project? Every project is different when you work on it and you, the designing part, I mean, I can't comment for everyone. I can just for myself, the designing part of it comes very quickly. When you're reading the script, it, it sort of comes to you it's, as you're reading it as an artistic, you, you, you just can't help it. It's a thing that happens, um, you know, and that processing starts and you hope that the processing that you're doing and the imagery that's coming to you is also perhaps in par with the director, you know, that they're thinking that way, you know, you, you lead them and you guide them in, you know, because that's what your job is. And I would say that, I mean, I, I got told once by a line producer, he did a, he's a, he's a big producer now, but he, said to me said it's interesting looking at your work especially the work I did with Ridley is that you can see he said I can see when you were with him and when you weren't with him um and I think there's a thread you know like if you look at Taboo and Christmas Carol and you look at um Kingdom of Heaven and you look at Gladiator and you look at uh Robin Hood you know and you look at A Good Year I I think you can see there's this there is a sort of style in there um, and I can't, I can't really tell you what that is. People tell me that. I don't know. I mean, I look at Terminator and that was a whole different thing. And I don't, I don't really know if it came out, if Sonia Klaus kind of, you know, I'm not Tim Burton. I'm not Tim Burton. But I, I, um, I like to think there's something, you know, there's something about 
the design I give. I mean, I can see that with like Nigel Phelps. I can I can feel when I just know when Nigel Phelps has done something. I can even I can watch it and just know it's Nigel. I kind of, you know, I kind of, it's like I, other designers, I can look at it and I know like set decorators, or I, you know, like Nancy Haig, I can just, I just know Nancy's done it. I can't explain that to you um, why. I just know. And then the credits come up and I'm like, yeah, it's Nancy. Because I can, I feel their work, you know, and I, and I like to think there's something like that in my work. I, I don't sure. know if there is. I, I like to think there is. No, definitely. I think I'm sure that I'm sure that there's something particularly, obviously, if you are in the art department, you're going to be more perceptive of those changes and it will come out in the work. I was going to ask you, was there a moment when you thought, wow, I'm on a big film set now in the same way that I had my first job on Fantastic Beasts and, you know, there was a road bigger than my own road I live on and they were filming on that, which they built. But you kind of answered that with the, the football pitches Coliseum thing. So I was going to ask if you could tell possibly the one of the, well one of the most hollywood film stories i've heard which is the the helicopter school story i feel like that's probably one of the most hollywood moments for you no oh yeah i was working on a film called um x-men first class as the set decorator and it was um i i i really i was re- i did enjoy myself because i really liked working with matthew vaughan um i enjoyed it because i i don't know i think he could I don't know. He liked what I was doing and I like, I don't know. I, I just, I liked it. And, but it was hectic pace, you know, and um, Matthew was used to ask for me quite a lot um, on set. And, and one day my son was actually at a prep school, uh, not that far away from my mother. And I completely forgotten that Conrad needed picking up. My husband was abroad uh, filming. And uh, so I rang up uh, Terry Wood, who was my prop master. And I went, Terry, oh my God, I, forgotten about Conrad. What are we going to do? And this was the Thursday and Conrad needed to be picked up on the Friday. And he went, Oh, well, I said, mummy's not there. She, she can't go. She could have, she was only down the road. And I don't know why she couldn't go. I can't remember why there was a problem. And, uh, anyway, then I, I he said, well, we'll have to send Joseph, his brother with one of the lorries like that. Cause you know, I had you know, we, it was literally that bad. Couldn't couldn't get a driver. You know, we tried to get like, like we said, can you send a driver? Can you do anything? You're like, oh no, we we we're, we're like that is not really bad. So Terry went. I'll phone up. I'm going to phone up my mate. So I went. He rang me back. He went. It's all right. I've got a helicopter. We've got a helicopter like this. And I went. Oh, we've got a helicopter. Thank God. <laughs> Thinking helicopter, car, lorry, motorbike. You know, we didn't really care. Anyway, so I get, so the helicopter comes and Terry and I get in the helicopter and we go and we land at the playing field at the designated time. And there is a music concert going on. And there's this child trying to play the trumpet, you know, and their parents are watching probably, oh, my darling. And then you can just hear. (laughs) So, of course, that ruined that. And then this little face popped out of a door. There was no one around. This little face popped out of the door. This child that was about six years old and just looked out of the corner of this door and went, and you could see, and they were almost nothing. They're here, like that. And the next thing I know is this door opens and all these children spill out. And my son's amongst them like this. And they're all just staring like I like this. And I... And I went, hurry up, hurry up. We've got to go. There's a storm front coming in. And then my mother turns up with her two dogs. My mother, who told me she couldn't <laughs> go and get Conrad. And she went, oh, sorry, I had a hair appointment. 
Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Sonia. That is one of your best stories, in my humble opinion. And I think that's probably a good place to take a little break before we move on to the last part. So now I'd like to ask you quickly about what your opinion is on the future of the industry and where we're going. It's something I'd like to discuss on this podcast. And I was wondering if there's anything that you feel like you could change about the industry, what would it be right now? I think moving forward on the industry for me, we um, as, as the chairperson of the British Film Designers Guild, we have a lot of uh, questions about diversity. And uh, I am very, very aware of it and have been very aware of it. And uh, not just diversity, but, you know, women working in senior positions. Yeah, of course. And I myself, I feel I can safely discuss that because I, I have had to come from the bottom to the top and it's not been an easy ride. I, uh, we, we talk a lot about the, the diversity aspects um, in the Guild because we get questions from people like, oh, why don't you have more black people in your art department? To be honest, they don't come, they don't come with their portfolios or, you know, they're not, they don't come and you, you go into art college and you, you know, really it needs to go back. It's, it's no good, you know, looking at us saying, why don't you get them? Well, we, we, I mean, I would take anybody. It's someone kind of shows me their portfolio. I, and it's great. Or I meet them, they'll get the job. So we want to do some work. We've linked up with several um, charities and other organizations who are now uh, targeting more kind of lower down. So like 12, 13, 14-year-olds at school. Because that's when, you know, when you're making the decisions about what GCSEs you take, and then maybe if you do A-levels or you don't, about where you're going to be or who you want to be. Letting people know it's an option, I guess. Yeah. And I think that it's been, you know, there's, there is a big gap there where that's not being dealt with. So we want to encourage that. I mean, it's very difficult with the guild because none of us are paid to actually, you know, go and do these things. It's an unpaid role. Um, but, but we can voice our opinions and help and, you know, do forums and advise people. And, and I think that, uh, you know, the Academy uh, do it, you know, they're very much involved in it. I think BAFTA are doing it, but it, it would be great, you know, if companies like Warner Brothers or one of the, you know, Amazon, even Netflix, all of those, you know, and I'm sure they do have outreach, you know, they have programs that they run, but I think there is in this country a quite clear shortage of Definitely, that kind yeah. of input at that age. And so we've, um, I've just myself, I've just um, signed up to go and I'm going to go and do some work in various schools you know, to 16 year olds to talk about the film industry. It's up to them whether they want to come into it or not. I, you know, um, they might not want to. <laughs> they might want to go and do music or, or be a scientist or they may not, they may want to, you know, some people may not want to do or have a big career at all. You know, that's their choice and I wouldn't ever push it on anybody. And I enjoy, obviously, working in lots of different, I've worked in lots of different countries. And uh, I, you know, I'm doing the job I'm doing at the moment is currently in South Africa. And I love being in the different cultures. I think it's a really important thing. And as a designer, it brings to the table something different that you get 
you know, when you when you have someone because they bring their culture with them, and and that's rather a marvelous thing. And that that is the sort of thing that I would, I would I I w- would like to change for there to be more of that. That's absolutely brilliant to hear, and I love the sound of the grassroots stuff that the BFDG are running there. Finally, before we move on to my little quickfire questionnaire. Uh, obviously, as COVID hits the world and there's a lot of uncertainty, certainly in the film and TV industry, lots of people haven't been working and funds and this and that and furloughs. What's something that still keeps you positive about where the industry is going? Because actually, obviously, the statistics are that more content's being made than ever. Is there something that keeps you positive about working in the industries, even in the wake of things like COVID? COVID has been such a huge problem around the world. And there was a lot of you know, I myself included, where there was a lot of sort of panic or kind of not understanding or what is this? What am I going to do? Am I ever going to work again? And I did go through a phase of during the sort of big lockdown period thinking, is this, you know, because there were some people saying it's going to go on for five years. And I was like, well, do I need to do something else? Is there, do I need to change my career? Is there going to be a future in the film industry? And I know that for quite a time, you know, certain like the camera department, they were having all these conversations about how does it work? You know, if I touch a piece of equipment, if I do, you know, what's going to do. And I think that now people have calmed down a bit because they thought there is life after COVID and it is going to go on and we will go on. And, you know, this may happen, not COVID, but we could have something in the future that again, that happens. And actually maybe this is a good dress rehearsal into how, how to tackle these things and how to carry on. I think it's very important to be positive. There have been a lot of, I've had quite a few emails throughout the COVID lockdown from some people, some they've been fine and some people have not been fine. Uh, I think it's very important that you, that productions should offer pastoral care to people. I think that is seriously lacking. As as a head of department, it's very important for me to be there for people or for them to feel they can talk to me, you know, about whatever it might be, because COVID has had a huge impact on people and they're still worried about it. I get calls, you know, we haven't gone back yet. We hopefully we will. And we know the show is going to happen, but you know, they get very anxious. Like, you know, even if they don't have money coming in for one week, they get anxious. Mm. So you, you have to address that and try to be positive and then just always try to be positive about it. That's a good attitude to have. So to wrap up, I've decided that on Behind the Green Screen podcast, I would like to do a partly my own and partly James Lipton Actors Studio questionnaire. And you're my first guinea pig, Sonia. So these are going to be a few questions and these are quick fire. So you don't need to be telling long anecdotes. Know what you like. No, all right. Okay, so number one, what is your favorite piece of advice you've ever been given? Keep your mouth shut and your ears open. Number two, what gives you a reason to get out of bed every day or get to an early set, I guess, to be specific? Because I still enjoy my job. Okay. Number three, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I wanted to be a marine biologist. Good answer. Secondary question, which job in the industry... That's part of the same question. Which job in the industry would you do if you weren't doing your own? Like a different department. You can't just say, you know. I'd like to be a director. Director. Cool. Which general profession in life would you never like to do? Cleaning up the bins on a film set. I've done a lot of that over the years. If you could work with one person, living or dead, who would it be? 
one person living or dead. The Cohen brothers. Nice. What is a book that everyone you think should read? Gosh, that's hard. The Night Circus. The Night Circus. I'll look it up. And finally, if you ever won an Oscar, who would you thank? I'd actually have to thank my father because it was my father. He was the one that all those years ago wrote that line in my book. And it was my father that realized that I had some sort of talent and that I would probably go into the film industry, even though I didn't know that yet. A fantastic choice. Do you have anything to say about promoting the British Film Designers Guild for any up and coming art department juniors that are listening? If anybody's listening who is an art department junior, or indeed if you are in the third year at university, uh, or if you are would be classed as an affiliate, we have an affiliates grade that you can join. I thoroughly recommend that you join it because the British Film Designers Guild is for excellence. And I, as I always say, all those people that are at university now, or the people who are going to go to university, all the people who are going to join, you know, may not go to university or they want to go into the film industry. They are the future. And in 10, 12 years, they will be me. And I always feel it's very important to nurture those people because they are the future and they are the future of the film industry. I'm, I'm, I'm now, and I'm working now, but I'm, you know, I've done my, I will have done my time and I'm not about the future. I'm about harnessing the future and introducing the future and making it a great future. There you go. A very poignant point to end on there from Sonia. Thank you again for listening to the first episode of Red Carpet Rookies and thank you to Sonia Klaus for joining me. To keep updated, you can follow Red Carpet Rookies on Instagram and Facebook, RC Rookies Pod on Twitter, or contact us at redcarpetrookies at gmail.com. And please do subscribe or drop us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast Store, on your iPhone or online if you're an Android user. Have a great day and we'll see you next time.